Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with Jacob negotiating with Laban as we pick up in Genesis chapter 30, verse 28. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. And he said, appoint me thy wages and I will give it. Just tell me, what do you want? I'll pay your wages. And so he said unto him, you know how I have served you and how your cattle were with me. For it was little which you had before I came. And now it is increased unto a multitude and the Lord hath blessed thee since my coming. And now when shall I provide for my own household also? In other words, Jacob is saying, hey, you remember when I came, you really didn't have much. You had just a small flock. And now through my diligence, my service, you know, you really have a lot of wealth, the great multitude of herds and all. And he said, well, what shall I give you? And Jacob said, you will not give me anything. For if you will do this thing for me, I will again feed and keep your flock. In other words, I won't take anything from you, but this is the deal I'll make with you. I will pass through all thy flock today, removing from them all of the speckled and spotted cattle and all the brown cattle among the sheep and the spotted and speckled among the goats and of all such as, and of such shall be my hire. And so shall my righteousness answer for me in the time to come when it shall come for my hire before thy face, every one that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and the, and the brown among the sheep that shall be counted stolen with me. And Laban said, Behold, I would that it might be according to thy word. And he removed that day the he-goats that were rain-straked and spotted and the she-goats that were speckled and spotted, and every one that had some white in it, and all of the brown among the sheep. And he gave them unto the hand of his sons. And he set three days' journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's fox. Now Jacob said, Look, all of those that are born, that are rain straight, speckled, and so forth, they will be my hire. The solid colors will be yours. Laban says, all right, good deal. And then immediately he goes out, sends his sons out, and pulls them all out of the flock and takes them three days' journey so that they cannot intermingle with the solid colors. So he leaves Jacob with nothing but solid colors. And he takes all of those that were rain straight or, or spotted or whatever, completely out of the scene, so that Jacob is just led, left with the solid colors. Now Jacob is saying, this is the way I want it, so that my righteousness will speak for me. In other words, God will be the one that blesses me. Now he, he had the promise of God, go and I'm going to bless thee. And he had that promise of God of blessing. So he was confident that God would take care of the issue, but he was also a little bit knowledgeable of breeding practices. He had spent his life around animals, breeding them and so forth. And he was conscious of some of the genetic uh, issues of the dominant and recessive traits and so forth. And uh, he uh, used some of his knowledge of these things in developing the flocks. So shall my righteousness answer for me in the time to come. In other words, he's committing it unto the Lord that God is going to prove that I have been righteous and all. And Laban said, uh, all right, let it be. And he took the flocks and separated them three days' journey. So Jacob took rods of green poplar 
and of hazel in the chestnut tree, and he piled white strakes in them and made the white appear which was in the rods. And he set the rods which he had piled uh, before the flocks in the gutters and in the watering troughs. And when the flocks came to drink, that they should conceive when they came to drink, the flocks conceived before the rods, and they brought forth cattle, rain-straked, speckled, and spotted. And Jacob did separate the lambs, and he set the faces of the flocks toward the rain-straked, and all the brown of the flock of Laban, and he put his own flocks by themselves, and he put them not unto Laban's cattle. And it came to pass, whensoever the stronger cattle did conceive, that Jacob laid the rods before their eyes of the cattle in the gutters that they might conceive among the rods, but when the cattle were feeble, he put them not in. And so the feebler were Laban's, and the stronger were Jacob's. And the man increased exceedingly, and had much cattle, and maidservants, and men servants, and camels, and asses. Now, there are those who believe that he was actually trying to uh, give sort of a prenatal thing, you know, by making the straight, uh, the striped boughs and so forth. And so there would be sort of a prenatal impression that would create... Uh, the Hebrew word conceived is actually to be made hot. And uh, we do know that uh, by placing stripes in front of them causes them to desire to conceive. So it was probably that which he was doing rather than trying to uh, prenatally mark them, that he would just, knowing the genetic structures and the recessive genes and so forth, that the recessives combined with the dominant, uh, you know, can come forth and spotted and grizzled and so forth. And, and he was sharp. He knew what he was doing, no doubt. And the stronger ones, he had set these things and caused them to conceive. The weaker ones went on to Laban. And anyhow, he was getting the better of the deal. And he heard the words of Laban's son saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's. And all that which was our father's hath he gotten, all this glory. In other words, they're now saying, hey, that really belongs to our dad. Jacob's stolen it from us. Not so. Jacob made the deal. His dad made the deal. But now the brothers are jealous because Jacob has such a, a large flock. They're so strong and healthy, and, and there's a great jealousy. And Jacob beheld the countenance of Laban, and behold, it was not toward him as before. It wasn't, oh, hi there, you know, and son, and, and it wasn't the, the old good buddy anymore. But his father-in-law was, was really changing in his attitude. And the Lord said unto Jacob, Return unto the land of thy fathers and to your family, and I will be with thee. And so Jacob now hears from the Lord. He sees that the attitude is changing, and God speaks to his heart and tells him to go back. And Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field, to his flock. Now, he, rather than talking about it in the tent where he might be overheard, he calls them out into the field so that he can talk to them privately. And he said unto them, I see that your father's countenance, that it is not toward me as it was before, but the God of my father hath been with me. And you know that with all my power I have served your father. And your father has deceived me, and he's changed my wages ten times, but God would not allow him to hurt me. 
And he said thus, the speckled shall be your wages. Then all the cattle bore speckled. If he said thus, the rain straight will be your hire, then the cattle all rain straight. And thus God has taken away the cattle of your father and given them to me. And it came to pass at the time that the cattle conceived that I lifted up my eyes and I saw in a dream and behold the rams which leaped upon the cattle were rain straight, speckled, and grizzled. In other words, he, God showed him really in a dream how and when and so forth to cause him to conceive. And the angel of God spake unto me in a dream saying, Jacob, and I said, here am I. And he said, lift up now your eyes and see all the rams which leap upon the cattle are rain straight, speckled and grizzled. For I have seen all that Laban doeth unto thee and I am the God of Bethel where you anointed the pillar and where you vowed a vow unto me. Now arise and get thee out of this land and return to the land of thy family. So it is interesting that God announces to him, I am the God of Bethel. Come back to the place of your family. I'm the God that met you there in Bethel. And so Rachel and Leah answered and said unto him, Is there yet any portion or inheritance for us in our father's house? In other words, our father has gone ahead and used up our dowry. He has not given us anything. We've got nothing there. We are counted to him as strangers. For he hath sold us. And he's devoured our money. He spent the dowry. He sold them. He spent the dowry. We're just like a stranger to him. For all the riches which God has taken from our Father, it's really ours and our children's. Now then, whatsoever God has said unto you, go ahead and do it. Then Jacob rose up and he set his sons and his wives upon camels. And he carried away all of his cattle and his goods which he had gotten and the cattle of his getting, which he had gotten in uh, Paddan Aram, to go to Isaac his father in the land of Canaan. And Laban went to shear his sheep, and Rachel had stolen the teraphims, the images that were her father's, the little idols that they used. And Jacob stole away unaware to Laban the Syrian, in that he told him not that he was fleeing. So he fled with all that he had, and he rose up and he passed over the river and has set his face toward Mount Gilead. Now, Mount Gilead is about 300 miles away, and Mount Gilead is the mountain range that goes on the west bank of the Sea of Galilee and into that area there, about 300 miles away. He fled with all of his head towards Mount Gilead, but of course, Traveling with that many animals in the family and everything was slow travel. The best you could do would be about 15 to 20 miles a day. And he had a good start. Actually, his father-in-law was out shearing the sheep. And it was three days before Laban even found out that he was gone. He probably had worked his flocks down to the southern extremities anyhow and probably put about 90 miles distance between at the start of the time before he started driving them away. And then he put three days more journey between him and Laban. And Laban couldn't just leave the shearing of the sheep immediately, probably finished up as fast as he could before he took off to catch Jacob. But because he was forced in a fast march to catch Jacob, he caught him down around the area of Mount Gilead, just about 300 miles distance. 
So it was told Laban on the third day that Jacob had fled, and so he gathered his brothers with him, and he pursued after him for seven days until he overtook him at Mount Gilead. And God came to Laban the Syrian in a dream by night and said to him, Take heed that you speak not to Jacob either good or bad. Then Laban overtook Jacob, and now Jacob had pitched his tent in the mount, and Laban with his brothers pitched in the mount of Gilead. And Laban said to Jacob, What have you done? You've stolen away unaware to me and carried away my daughters as captives, taken with a sword. Why did you flee away secretly and steal away from me and did not tell me that I might have sent thee away with parties and songs and the tablet and the harp? And you've not allowed me to even kiss my grandchildren, my daughters. You've done foolishly in doing this. So Laban really had other ideas. He had really ideas of taking by force all that Jacob had. He had ideas of, of perhaps even killing Jacob. But God came to him the night before and said, hey, don't you even talk to him, good or bad. Well, that was a hard order. And so Laban comes in and, and, he, and he puts on this whole hypocritical thing, you know. Why did you steal off? I wanted to kiss my grandkids. We could have had a big party and all. You know, in reality, he would have never let Jacob go. He would have just ripped him off and sent him away without anything. But uh, because God has now put the squeeze on him and won't let him do anything, uh, he's, he's, he's just, you know, acting like he's been hurt and offended and all. And he said, it is in the power of my hand to do you hurt. But the God of your father spake to me last night, saying, Take heed that you don't speak to Jacob, either good or bad. And now, though you would needs be gone, because you long after your father's house, why have you stolen my gods? And Jacob answered and said to Laban, Because I was afraid, for I said, Peradventure, you would take by force your daughters from me. And Jacob had a right to be afraid. The guy probably would have taken the daughters and all of the animals. With whomsoever you find your gods, let him not live. Before our brothers discern thou what is thine with me. Take it to thee. Whatever I have, search through everything. Whatever I have belongs to you, take it. Let these guys be a witness. I don't want anything of yours. And, and so he's accusing him of stealing his gods. But he did not know that Rachel had ripped off these two little teraphims, these two little idols. And Laban went into Jacob's tent and into Leah's tent and into the two maidservants' tents, but he did not find them. And so he went out of Leah's tent and he entered into Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the images and put them in the camel's furniture and she was sitting on them. And Laban searched all the tent, but he did not find them. And she said to her father, Let it now displease my Lord that I cannot rise up, for the custom of woman is upon me. I'm weak. I'm in my menstrual period. And so he searched, but he did not find the images. And Jacob at this time then had his little chance to spout off. He was angry, and he uh, chided with Laban. And Jacob answered and said unto Laban, what is my trespass? What is my sin that you have so hotly pursued after me? Whereas you have searched all my stuff, what have you found of your household stuff? Set it here before the brothers that let them judge between us both. 
For 20 years I've been with you. The ewes and the she-goats have not cast their young, and the rams of the flock have I not eaten. In other words, he was careful. There were many times when the animals were pregnant, they would have miscarriages because they weren't taken care of properly. But he had so carefully watched over them, had been so diligent, there were no miscarriages of the animals while he was serving. Not only that, it was the right of the shepherd to eat, you know, to kill a lamb and to eat it occasionally. But he never once killed any of the animals for his own eating. And so he's, he's just telling, you know, how honestly and how diligently he was serving the old man for 20 years. That which was torn by the beast, I brought it not to thee. Now if a shepherd was watching over a flock and a beast would tear it, he would bring the carcass to the owner and give him the carcass, and thus he proved that he had uh, driven off the wild beast and, and, and captured the animal, but he didn't have to pay for it. Actually, the owner suffered the loss. But he said, I didn't bring any carcasses to you. I bore the loss of it. Of my hand did you require it. Whether it was stolen by day or stolen by night, Laban, you know, charged him for everything. And thus I was, and in the day of the drought consumed me, and the frost by night. Man, he was out there in the hot sun, and he was out there in the cold nights. And, and for 20 years he had really uh, gone through all of the miseries. Uh, of the outdoors and all, and my sleep departed from my eyes. Thus have I been for 20 years in your house, and I've served you for 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your cattle, and you have changed my wages 10 times. And except the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had been with me, surely you would have sent me away empty. But God has seen my affliction and the labor of my hands, and he rebuked you last night. And Laban answered and said unto Jacob, These daughters are my daughters, and these children are my children, and these cattle are my cattle, and all that you see is mine. And what can I do this day unto these my daughters and unto their children which they have borne? Now therefore come, let's make a covenant, you and I, and it will be a witness between me and thee. So he says, hey, I, I can't do anything. I feel it's all mine. I don't know by what right, but yet. So they took a stone, and they set it for a pillar. And Jacob said to his brothers, gather stones. And they took the stones, and they made a heap of them. And Laban called it Jigar Shahadatha. But Jacob called it Galid. Uh, he called it by the Hebrew name, whereas uh, Laban called it by the Aramaic name. And it's a heap of, the heap of witness. And Laban said, this heap is a witness between me and you this day. So we call it Galid. And Mizpah. For he said, the Lord watch over you when we are absent one from another. And if you will afflict my daughters or if you will take other wives beside my daughters, no man is with us. Let God watch over you and witness between me and thee. And Laban said to Jacob, Behold this heap. This is the pillar that I have cast between me and you. This heap is a witness, and this pillar is a witness that I will not pass over this heap to you, and you shall not pass over this heap and pillar 
unto me. In other words, you don't come my way, I don't go yours. This is it. This is the separation. The God of Abraham, the God of Nahar, the God of thy father, judge between us. And Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac. And then Jacob offered sacrifice upon the mount and called his brethren to eat bread. And they did eat bread and tarried all night in the mount. And early in the morning Laban rose up, kissed his sons and daughters, and blessed them. And Laban departed and returned to his place. Now, this mispah, verse 49, has been used sometimes as sort of a Christian greeting. That's tragic. It isn't a very pleasant thing. It, it, it sounds beautiful to read that the Lord watched between me and thee while we are absent one from the other. Like God watch over you, you know, my beloved friend, while we're absent. But that isn't the idea, the context at all. The idea is I think you're a crook. I don't know what to do about it. You're leaving me. I can't watch you anymore. May God watch over you, and if you do anything wrong, may God smite you. So next time one of your Christian friends says, Miss Pa, you might not be so willing to just smile. Uh, it, isn't, it isn't a pleasant uh, departure, but it is one intention. The Lord watch you, I can't. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse -verse Bible study in the book of Genesis on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Genesis 30-31 through 31 when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse -verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you and bless you and watch over you during the week. And may we each one consider what we are giving to God and how we give it, that we might render unto God that which is pleasing and acceptable in His sight of our time, of our service, of our abilities, of our substance. God bless you. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Lord, I believe in you. I'll always believe in you. It is by faith that you've been walking into one level of spiritual maturity to another. Faith is the key to a successful Christian life. 
And that is why the Word of God tells us, without faith, it's impossible to please God. It was faith that led Abraham into the land of promise. It was faith that led the children of Israel through the Red Sea. It was faith that enabled Peter to step out of the boat and to walk on water. The question is, what might faith do in you? To order a copy of Pastor Chuck's book, Faith, or to preview a chapter for free online, visit thewordfortoday.org or call 800-272-9673.